Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. Andy and I had another great letter in the mailbag this week, and we are diving into it in this episode. We got a ask from a manager who was wondering, what do I do about a great and really high-skilled technician who just happens to call out all the time? And I mean, excessive amounts. Like I actually did the did the math during the episode and this technician has missed like almost 50% of the weeks in a year. And so this manager is wondering, what do I do? How do I deal with it? Especially because there have been some conversations along the way, but maybe not as frequently as they should have happened. And I have a feeling that it's probably hit the point where the rest of the team is super frustrated about this situation. This was a fun one. Let's get into it. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie, you're never there, Goss. <laughs> you're never there. So, I, um, I, I just got back from jury duty. Oh, I just yeah. got back from jury duty. And um, it was an experience. Have you ever had your duty? I I have. I'm I'm excited to hear how your this was your your first experience. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I don't know how okay. they found me, but they did. <laughs> I am I'm worried that you know people are like, oh, once they get you, they keep they keep uh-huh. calling you. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it was an experience. Uh, so I got someone for jury duty, and I. I did not have time to go to jury duty. I talked to my brother, who's a lawyer. I'm like, I don't have time. And he was like, they don't care. Nope. Like, they could <laughs> they not care zero figs. <laughs> yes. And I did find that to be true, which is interesting. Because when was the last time that someone just looked at you in your face and was like, I don't care what you want. <laughs> You're like, it was when my children were like two years old, right? Like, when, like yeah. a two-year-old will look at you in your face and be like, I don't care what your schedule is <laughs> or what you have to do at work. I want You're it right do now. what I want. Yeah. And it was two-year-old and jury duty are the times in my adult life when someone looked at me and were like, I don't... And then they carried out the, like the threat. They were like, what? Watch how much I care. And like, you know... Um, They're like, bam, you're me, on the jury. <laughs> yeah, totally. It reminds me of like when my daughter was like a you know two years old and her sock came off as we were driving and she was like you need to stop the car and get my sock and i was like no we have places to be and she's like i'm gonna make you and then she just <laughs> melted down until i got off the highway and got her sock and i'm like that's jury duty they're like i can i can binge you to my will <laughs> so they did uh they totally did and i went and i uh i got picked and put on a jury and uh, and I watched the case. I just I watched it because they uh, because they made me because they took my phone away. Like the the what do you call it? The, the bailiff. Yes. He he takes your phone away from you. Yes. And not like not like you can have this back at the breaks. He's like you can have this back when, when you're you done. Yeah. Like done done. And uh, so yeah, they they I so I sat there uh, without my phone like a caveman, and I watched these two people. <laughs> Tell completely contradictory stories about what happened in a parking lot accident. <laughs> and well, then but, I you, went but you left out, right? People. Because you, you, in a way, because you, it had a relatively short uh, trial. Oh, oh yeah, it was great. It was a half day. I got the experience of being on a jury in like a half day, and then they let me go for the week. And I was like, no, that was that was definitely it. Like that was that was the best thing. Was best I got possible to, scenario. I got to go sit in a little jury room. I got to sit in the jury box. I got to you know see the whole, the whole courtroom thing and then it was, it was like five hours i was done the longest part was sitting in the was sitting with the jury in the little back room for and deliberation. they don't let you leave until all 12 of you agree and i don't know if you've ever tried to get 12 people to agree on anything but it's it's a it's a horrible system i think you know I, they're like nope y'all have to agree and uh <laughs> we went in <laughs> And I, of course, I couldn't stop, not talk because it's me. And so I was like, quick temperature check. <laughs> who here thinks this person, who thinks they proved negligence on this person? And two people raised their hand. And I'm like, damn it. It's like <laughs> 10 people were like, this is, this is, let's be done. And two people were like, no, we're going to do this. And so we asked the people, 
why do you why do you feel this way? And they're like, I just feel this way. And I'm like, that's not, <laughs> that's not you an cannot, answer. Yeah, you cannot just be like, I just feel this way and and go against the 10 of the rest of us who are like, okay. <laughs> I was like, but what does the evidence say? And they're like, ah, you know, it's my gut evidence. But I'm like, that's not a thing. It's not a thing. And basically, we sat there for two hours and stared at them until they're like, you know what? It's okay. It's fine. And then we all left. And that was justice that day. We stared oh, at them man. until they got uncomfortable I, I and think, just wanted to I go I think home. that we have listeners who would like pay to be on <laughs> to be on a jury with you just for the like comedic entertainment value (laughs) it's funny you know uh, when you're sitting in that in the jury room and like they take your phones away and then and then they just leave you there until you can all agree like they come in there be like hey it's time for a break and i'm like what does a break constitute like because we don't have phones we can't leave the room like it's like i put you in in a room that was like i need you to do this thing uh, that involves talking to the people. And then I came in, I was like, okay, you're on break now, but you can't leave the room and you're still here with the other people and you can't have your phone. Um, you'd be like, this isn't a break. This is me just doing the exact same thing I was doing a minute ago. This is just dragging this out and prolonging it. Oh, it was all, yeah, I was like, I don't want to break. I want to go home. Oh, man. So, anyway, <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. It was interesting. The funniest thing was, the funniest... The funniest part was, so this is just a straight up traffic accident in a, in a parking lot, you know, and one person was like, both people said the other person was driving like a maniac. Of course. And, you know, it slammed it. And I was, I was basically at a stop and the other person's a maniac. And they both said that the accident happened in slightly different places, uh, which fit with who ran into who, right? right. If you, if you believe it was this person, it probably happened over here. And if you believe it's that person, it's probably about 15 feet back this way. And there's no footage of it or anything. But one, one of the people was like, you could see in the photo they showed us from the arrows that were drawn that this person was not at fault. And I was like, that person's lawyer drew that arrow. <laughs> like, like you can't. It's not actually evidence. Yes. It's like that person's lawyer drew those arrows so that it would look like their client did not do the thing. Oh, God. But it was just funny that somebody was like, if you look at these arrows, it's pretty clear who's at fault. And I'm like, you mean the arrows that the lawyer drew to protect their client and explain what happened? Those arrows? Oh, so So funny. (laughs) So funny. Uh, I was glad to be done. (laughs) We have uh, we have a great letter from the mailbag for this week. I'm I'm excited. Um, We uh, this is going to be, I think, one of those ones where we go down a little bit of a culture rabbit hole. So uh, we got an email from someone asking, what do I do with uh, having an excellent technician with very skilled, good technical skills. Uh, They just happen to call out. And by call out, I mean like excessively call out. Uh, And so they were like, I went back and looked and this year, this person called out over 30 times, sometimes for multiple days at a time for each instance. And so they were like, look, we've had the leadership team, floor lead, practice manager, multiple people have had conversations with them. Um, And in the course of the conversations, it's been productive and good. This person has opened up and they're having some uh, mental health challenges. And so they were like, look, we are in a good place. We have resources. We've got an EAP. We've got um, a mental health uh, coaching uh, platform that we use. We've got a um, we've got therapy, psychiatry through our through our health benefits. Like this person has a lot of resources and they're using them. And the result is still that this person is out a lot and it's a it's a small hospital. Um, and so this manager was like, we're a really small team. We only have four technicians. And I say only and lots of hospitals are sitting here going, I don't even have one technician. (laughs) Don't talk to me about being small team. But they've got they've got three doctors and, and four technicians um, to rotate through all the days that they're open. And so they're like, when when anybody on the team, doesn't matter that it's just this one person, when anybody's gone, we're severely short-staffed and it puts a significant amount of strain 
on us. It's we lose revenue because we can't operate at full capacity. And so they were just like, it's it's a reoccurring problem. And so it's, you know, what do, what do we do now that it doesn't seem to be changing? And there's this pattern because every single time it happens, it puts strain on everybody because we're working shorthanded. And this manager was like, it's also at the point where it's affecting me on a personal level because I'm the one who has to deal with the schedule. I'm the one who has to rearrange everything at the last minute and try and make it work. And I feel taken advantage of. Um, And so they were like, we've tried talking to them. We've tried reducing their work schedule, doing, doing less hours. We reduce it down to the minimum possible to be able to keep their health insurance benefits. Um, And none of the things that we've tried are working. And so they were just like, you know, how, how do, how do I, how do I deal with this? Um, (laughs) Where do I go from here? What magic uh, wand do you have? That's gonna that's gonna fix this. Oh, this is one of those asks where it's like, what's the magic wand? There is yeah. there is there is no magic wand. Uh, it's gonna be a short episode. It's like make the call. <laughs> you make like that's it. Make the call. Like you know. Anyway, we'll we'll unpack this. We'll yeah, unpack. Let's this. do it. Let's but do it. But the thing is, okay. The thing is, like you know who this is. It's it's the story of this lady who finds the frozen snake and she picks the snake up and she sticks it in her shirt. You don't, you don't know the story? No. All right. So there's <laughs> this lady and she's walking home at night in the winter and she finds a snake frozen solid and she picks the snake up and she puts it into her shirt. And, uh, and by the time she gets home, it has warmed up to uh, get sort of life back into it. And so it bites her. Sure. And she dies. And as she's laying there dying, she says to the snake, why did you bite me? And he says, you knew I was a snake when you picked me up. (laughs) And that's the story. There's a Buddhist story. There's the same story about the scorpion and the frog. And uh, and the scorpion, anyway, basically the scorpion says to the frog, I need to get across this river. And the frog's like, okay. And the frog swims halfway across this, uh, the river with a scorpion on its back. And then the scorpion just stabs the frog. Sure. And kills it. Yeah. And, and the frog is like, why did you stab me? He's like, you knew I was a scorpion when you put me on your back. Um, and, and again, this is this this person is not bad. It doesn't sound like they're a bad person. It sounds like they're probably really struggling. Everybody's fighting about it. We don't know anything about Yes. At some point, you know what this is and you know who this person is so that that's headspace for me is the biggest headspace thing open all uh, for me is this and i've seen this i've wrestled with this so many times in my life is the if this person would just blank problem which is when you look at the person like this and you say but she's a great technician and everybody likes her and she's funny and she's positive if she would just show up and do her job she would be amazing (laughs) i was like if she would just not steal money from the cash register she would be incredible if she just didn't sell drugs out the back of the practice (laughs) she would be awesome like and again i am conflating these things that are wildly more more problematic but you get the you get the point right like uh that's the hardest thing as a manager is when you see someone who is great in so many ways but they have this thing that they're doing that is toxic and they will not stop doing the toxic thing. And it tortures me because I, I, I desperately just want them to stop doing the toxic thing. And this will be great. And I have struggled with these people in my career because I just, I think, oh, if she would just stop doing this or she would just do that. And it is so painful to come to the point of realization that she's not going to stop. Well, or, or maybe she can't. Right. Or maybe and so, she can't. absolutely. Yeah. And, and so fair. I think, I think here, like that is for, for me, part of the headspace is acceptance. And like that, it, that is for me, that is almost the totality of headspace is acceptance. Like at some point we have to, <laughs> we have to accept. It, it seems that way because they seem like they've done a really good yes. job. Like yes. I, it's like, it's at some point, 
it really stinks when people come to us and they're clearly, you know, <laughs> uh, uncharted listeners or they're uncharted members and like they're in there with us and they do it and like they, it sucks because they come to us and they're like, I did all of these things and I'm yes. like, oh, you did all the things. Like, yes, it's so there's funny nothing, that there's you're... nothing left. <laughs> you did them all. It's so, it's so funny you said that. You're boned uh, at this point uh, because none of this has worked. That's so bad. Oh, it's so funny that you said that because my my first thought as I was reading it was like, so, let, but let's zoom out for, for the people who yeah. maybe haven't who are, have been in this position who haven't tried all of the things, right? So okay. uh, let's right. let's give kudos to this this management team because Absolutely. they were like, let's start with the resources. Like, here's what we totally. got. And they're doing the right things. They've got an, an EAP and an employee assistance program. They have got mental health, um, you know, additional mental health support uh, in, a, in a coaching app, which I love the sound of that. I would like to find out more about that. Um, they've got access to therapy and psychiatry through their health benefits, which they're providing to their team. So yeah. all of these things oh, yeah. are great. And they've been super supportive where this person is like, hey, I need to take time off. Okay, take care of yourself. Yeah. Like we, we've we yep. got it. We'll we'll figure yes. it out. So big kudos there. Right. Like that's that's step number one. Step number two was they were like, hey, we um, culture is important to us. This person is highly skilled and they are a great cultural fit. And so, you know, you talk mm -hmm. a lot about how do we evaluate employees and we need to look at fit and we need to look at skill. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so these managers are like, we looked at the fit and we looked at the skill when she's here. She's an incredible fit and she's highly skilled. Like this is the kind of person that we want on our team. This is the kind of person she's here, that we want to retain. Words. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. So... <laughs> The headspace, I think. Yeah. And the challenge for these this management team is we have to come to a place of acceptance. And so, you know, this is a little bit of like when the same thing happens over and over again, at some point, like it, it's it's become your business model. <laughs> and yeah. so yeah, yeah. that is well, the case here. Like it has become the business model. And then there was there was some information shared, which it sounds like this person is not always necessarily being truthful when they're calling out. There is some mm, like far yeah. far fetched stories because there I I could hallucinate a planet where if someone is having struggles, whether they're per, you know physical sure. health or mental health or uh you know within their family or home environment or whatever, at some point like I've been there where it feels embarrassing to give to say the same thing over and over again, mm -hmm. and so I could totally hallucinate a place where where this person is like. I can't, I can't just say I'm having a hard day again. Like I've got to come up with a really good reason. And so it sounds like they ventured into that territory where they, some of some stories have been made up. There's been some crazy ass far-fetched things that have been thrown out there as to reasons why they can't. And as a result of that, the leadership team is feeling like, well, now we can't trust her, yeah. which is, which is unfor quite unfortunate yeah. um, because they were like, if, if they would just say, I need a mental health day. That is, that's fine. Like that is something we can support. But now we're in this position where we feel like we have to deal with a problem that they have created because they're not just telling the truth. So I think that yeah. that is like, that is something that we can pick apart and, and talk about. But oh, yeah. I think overall <laughs> the answer is acceptance. Well, you know what, you know what the suckiest part of all this is? This is, this stuff always gets me. So you've got this practice. And they are doing all of the things. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they've got yes. they've got psychiatric support. They've got they've got their EAP going. Yes, they're working on flexible scheduling and shortening hours and doing everything. I'm like, man, these guys are crushing it right. as far as supporting this employee. And you know what the experience of the other employees is? If you went and asked them and were like, "Hey, what's it like working here?" They wouldn't be like. These guys are amazing. They would be like, it kind of sucks because this person just doesn't show up and then we just have to deal with it. And it happens over and over and over again. And so what is my experience? My experience is being surprised to be shorthanded again, again and again and again. That's my experience. <laughs> yeah. And God, that sounds awful, doesn't it? But like, yes. am I, am I, tell me I'm off base, right? No. Is, is that, that's how I see it go all the time. It's like, you're in the leadership role and you're pouring your heart and soul into this and the rest of the team is not impressed. In fact, they're just irritated. Sure. Because uh, what they see is not all the support that you're pouring in. They're seeing their own position, which is we're shorthanded again and again and again. And again, they don't know why and they shouldn't know why. 
right? Like it's right. You, we don't share these right. types of information about why we do what we do. Like that's an HR no-no. So they don't have the information. And so try to put yourself in their shoes and how does this look to them? It doesn't look good. And it's one of those things where sometimes, you know, no good deed goes unpunished, where we we do what we can for this employees and we work so hard that we end up irritating the rest of our staff. And yeah. now our generosity has backfired on us. And yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know that that's happening here. But again, when we talk about finding balance, that's a big part of it, right? We, we want to help this person. And we need to help the staff and make right. sure that they're taking care of the rest of the staff. Yes. And we need to have, uh, you know, we need to take care of clients, which means clients need to know that they're going to receive a certain standard of care when they come in and all of those sorts of things. But they all have to balance out. And it can, if you have one person that just keeps tipping farther and farther back on the scale, at some point you go, we've, we've, done everything we can to try to balance this, but we just can't go that far. I, I think that that's, that's, that's sort of where, you know, wh- where we come to acceptance is go, yeah, we've done everything and it's still not going to work. And I think that's a bitter pill to swallow, but I think sometimes we have to swallow a pill. But let's, let's, let's go ahead and get into headspace here and talk about where they are from a general place, because this is pretty far down the line. Let, let's talk about what they did and kind of how they did it and kind of what we think about that. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. Sweet. Um, we're going to have people who are going to struggle at different times in their lives. Sure. And that was the thing I didn't, I didn't understand when I was younger, but as someone who has, uh, had my, uh, had a wife go through breast cancer and had different, uh, employees at different time wrestle with personal things. And these are people I care deeply about. Like, I don't know, man, I just didn't understand earlier in my life how hard life is sometimes and how complicated it is and how good people go through hard things. And I also didn't understand earlier on how much it meant to me to be a good employer and a good supporter of my people, how much it meant to me to say, hey, I understand you're going through something hard, you know, take care of yourself and take care of your family. And and we're going to help support you through this because, you know, because we care about you. Yeah. Um, that feels great. And that is something that has meant a lot to me. And so I, I put that forward in headspace and sort of say, you know, know what your values are. You know, know, know what you care about. Know about the type of employer that you want to be. I want, I always, you know, say this is a relationship and I want it to treat like a relationship. And man, I don't want to be in a relationship with somebody who's going to cut me off the moment I don't do everything that suits them, you know, or the moment I'm struggling with something, they're like, sorry, we don't have time for your stuff, you know, and and dump you. I don't want that. At the same time, I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who is, uh, continues to take and take and take and take. Right. Um, even, even if they don't mean to at some point, you know, it's kind of like, um, it is some of those things that I've heard, uh, and read some different things about, you know, people who struggle with family members, uh, that, just continue to drain and drain and drain. And you say, this is my family member, but at some point you gotta, you gotta say, I'm sorry, I'm putting boundaries up to protect myself, you know, even though this is a hard decision. I think that there's some parallels in, in our, as employers of saying, I'm going to be here, I'm going to support you. But at some point, you know, um, I'm going to be a part of a healthy relationship and I'm going to have to do what I need to do to, to keep my own head above water, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Like when you don't when you don't do anything to have balance and set boundaries, like you are hundred percent creating the codependent relationship like they are taking and taking and taking. But by you not um, creating any boundaries and saying, OK, these are you know, these are I'm giving grace and these are the rules that we need to play by. You, you know, you're you're you are equally um, responsible for creating that code, that codependency. Um, and so I think that's part of the acceptance for sure from a headspace Mm -hmm. perspective is like, all right, this is where we're at (laughs) and and ownership of that. Well, the, the lack of truthfulness about what's been going on. I think this is an interesting life lesson, you know, it's just, and again, a, a lot of stuff we talk about, I think the reason people like what we talk about and kind of how we look at things in Uncharted is we tend to keep things pretty darn simple. And I just, I try to, I try to frame them that way. And they are. The truth is once someone uh, catches you not being truthful or their perception is that what you're sharing is not honest, you're going to lose that trust, right? Trust is, is, is hard to, hard to build and, and easy to lose. And once you lose someone's trust, it's one, it's hard to get it back. But number two, 
uh, it affects how they treat you and, and the grace that they extend to you. And so when they say we found this person not being truthful about what had happened or given these very far-fetched stories and things like that, um, I'm not going to say to these people, oh, don't, you can't hold that against this person or don't let that factor into your decisions. Like it does factor into your decisions. And so I I think really the truth is in personal responsibility, just as an employer or employee, as an individual, I think one of my sayings is integrity above all else. And the truth is like, come, come clean and be honest. And once, once people question your integrity, it closes a lot of doors for you. And I would say that's another reason, if I sound flippant at the very beginning, uh, this is part of the reason why, is because it's really hard to go forward with somebody that you're trying to take care of with the knowledge that they have not been truthful and they may not be truthful in the future. Like, it's really hard to do that. If you're dealing with someone who's struggling and they're being upfront about how they're struggling, and again, that doesn't mean sharing everything, right? We all all have privacy and, and an expectation of privacy, but... If they're if they're not misleading us in any intentional way, I'm much more likely to try to keep going with them and saying everyone's acting in good faith. But man, once people start start being less than honest about what's going on with them, that really closes the doors in the number of ways that we can work with them just because we don't we never know what we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that that is totally, totally true. I think the last the last piece of headspace for me to Go, goes along with that because um, when for me part of the headspace is wrapping my brain around my own acceptance as a leader yeah. of letting it get to the point that it's at and and this is um, again like we're only hearing one side of it and we're just reading the email and interpreting but they were like you know we're at the end of the year I, I did a look back this person has been you know called out more than 30 times this year and there's been multiple wild stories and you know we've caught them in lies my question is acceptance of like okay i have to own that like did i have the conversation with them the first time it happened did i have the conversation with them the second third tenth time that happened and acceptance of the fact that okay we've we've gone far enough down the road that now it's not an easy conversation of hey you know yesterday when you called out this is what you said and then you I'm going to use a common example. Then you post on social media or you sent a text message to the rest of the team and said, this is what I'm doing. So I know full well that that wasn't what you needed. I just need you to know you don't have to give me details. It's it's okay to just say I need to take a mental health day or I I can't talk about it, but I need to take a, a personal day off. Like that's what they're there for. I don't need the details, but I do need you to be honest. Right. Yeah. And and so for me, part of it is acceptance of my own level of responsibility as a leader. And I will tell you, I will tell you, like, I, I again, <laughs> this is an episode that there was a time in my career that I could have written this letter. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and and part of it, part of the very bitter part of the pill was the fact that like I was like you said, I was so I wanted so badly to support that person and be there and like be accepting that the pendulum swung way too far in one direction. And then when the rest of the team was raising their hands and saying, but what about us? I was struggling because I was like, but I'm, but I was trying to do the right thing for this person. Mm -hmm. And the, the reality is, yes, I was, I was trying to do the right thing for that person. I was trying to give them grace. I was trying to support them. I was trying to not look like the manager who's like, screw that. You called off for this second time. Like you're fired. Right. Cause there are, there are managers like that in our industry. And I get that, that these leaders were trying to do the right thing in supporting their people. And there has to be the balance. And if the team is like, hey, we're constantly shorthanded and and you as a leader is saying, I'm the one constantly having to readjust the schedule and now it's affecting my mental health. Like that's part of the acceptance pill to say, hey, maybe the pendulum has swung too far and I need to get into a headspace about my ownership of that because in the action steps in having some of those hard conversations, it'll probably make it a lot easier to potentially have a better outcome if you can own some of that. Yeah. The the last headspace thing for me, which I think is actually probably the most interesting part of this whole quandary here, is uh, the mental health card. And um, that's, that's an interesting term, but I've, I'm hearing this term more often, the mental health card. And so 
to me, it's interesting because th- this has been put forward as this person has is having mental health struggles, and and that's one of the things that's been put forward. Sure. And and I think a lot of leaders out there are struggling with employees that are or team members or coworkers or fellow doctors who are not performing, not meeting expectations. Right. And their the justification is, well, I'm having mental mental health challenges. Yes. And what do you do about that? And how do you balance compassion and support yes. for this person yes. with the reality that we we have we have to have expectations to get met, right? Like we can't have people just not show up for work again and again. It's not fair to the other team. Uh, it's not sustainable. It, you know, it, it, it shakes our whole, our whole business. Yes. Um, or, or the behaviors that come from that, that are manifesting are not acceptable behaviors. And I understand that you're struggling and I can be compassionate about that. And at the same time, I still can't have you yelling at the staff, you know, when you get stressed, that that can't happen, and so that's I think that's an interesting thing. And I'm I'm saying, you know, I think there's a big spectrum of this. There is a hundred percent the uh, this person has legitimate mental health struggles and is struggling to meet performance. And how do we manage someone who's struggling to meet performance because of uh, of mental health challenges? Uh, and then there's the far extreme where there is the one that says, this person um, may have other reasons for not meeting performance, but they're saying it's a mental health struggle because uh, because it's, um, because they think that that's going to get them more leniency if they, sure. if they just said, it's a free pass. I just didn't feel like coming in. Exactly yeah. right. And you hate to think that anyone would do that, but I, it's a big world. Sure. And I am certain that there there are some of that. And so people say, well, how do you how do you manage these things and navigate these things? And so I think we'll talk about this in action steps. But I think um, the headspace is assume good intent, assume that everyone is doing their best, you know, compassion first. And this is all about balance, which means I can I can believe that you're having mental health struggles and I can be compassionate and empathetic. And at the same time, just know that my job is to balance the needs of the individual with the needs of the team and the needs of the clients. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can be I can be empathetic and compassionate and still say, I need to balance these things out. And, and we have to figure out how to make that happen. And we'll talk about that when we get into action steps. Yeah, I like it. Uh, do we want to take a break and then dive into the action steps? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Hey, friends, I just want to jump in here for a quick second and say that I am super, super pumped about all of the awesome things that we have coming down the pipeline in 2023. Now, we haven't announced all of the surprises that we have coming for all of you, but there are lots of great things coming to kick off the year. And if you haven't signed up for some of the workshops uh, and events that are happening in the first quarter of 2023, you want to head your little self over to unchartedvet.com forward slash events and check out what we've got coming. If you are a member, all of the workshops are listed there. You can log into your account and sign up for free. If you are not a member, you should check out what's coming and consider a membership for 2023 because you could pay $99 per workshop, but you also could pay $6.99 and sign up for a whole year of registration as a member. And then you get access not only to all of the workshops that we do, but all of the amazing content that happens over in our workplace group uh, and our community. It is so fun. It is lively. It is just jam-packed with conversation from the community about what's going on in their practices, how to solve challenges, how to support each other. And it is one of my favorite places to spend time. So I would love to see you there. If you need that address one more time, it's unchartedvet.com forward slash events. And now back to the podcast. Let's get into some action steps here. Okay. Okay, cool. I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with your favorite thing. Uh, So let's talk about what they did and that shit, because they did a, they did a lot really well. Let's talk about what they did, and let's walk all the way up to where they are. And so, you know, one of the one of the first things that we've got to do to be successful, and and I deeply believe you have to you have to learn this the hard way, right? The every policy that we have probably came from from a mistake that we made in the past, you know. And so it takes a, a while for people to get here. Yes, we need to have. Uh, you're gonna love this, but we need to have it? in our handbook. Like, what is what is our attendance policy? You know, uh, wh- what is it? 
And what systems what do we have to support people say? who are having mental health challenges? I know you love it. I do. Can I just bask in that for one second? Yeah, just soak that in. You should what have. does your handbook say? Okay, right. okay. What does your handbook say? I like say? it. But that, that has to be it, right? Yeah. So, at, at, so this is where, okay, so hear me on this. This is how we make the balance happen is we sit down, not in the moment, right. not when we're dealing with somebody, not when it looks punitive, yes. but we just sit down and say, okay, what is our calling out policy? Yeah. Knowing that life happens and we want to be generous to people and we want to be supportive of people. Right. Like I'm not making some, you know, uh, Alcatraz calling out policy where, you know, like, you know, if you if we can't find you, then you can be off for the day. Right. right? It's, not, it's not that it's, um, it's but like what 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 is our policy here? Yeah. Because, the, you know, these guys said we, we're we're at 30. She's called 30 times. I go. Right. I, I don't know what the policy is. But it's not 30. That's that's not that's, that's not where well, we want to be. And I and I love that. And I love that you uh, obviously I love that you said, what does the handbook say? Um, but also, like, I think that that's a good use case to look at and say, OK, we feel like there should be some sort of attendance policy. And someone who's called out 30 times feels a little excessive. So, yeah. like, let's look at that. When we think about what is OK, if there's. 52 weeks in a year and everybody gets vacation and you figure out what is your actual working, how many weeks in a year does your average team member work? It's probably somewhere between 40 and 48 for a lot of people, right? So like, what does that look like? Look at your own policies and then figure out, okay, let's just look at that. What is half of that? Like, what is 50%? Yeah. And so when you look at that, if even if you just take 52 weeks, and I don't know what their vacation policies are. So if I take 52 weeks, half of that is 26. If this person has called out 30 times, like that means that they've only been there like half of the weeks in the year. Like that is wildly mm. ex excessive to me, like yeah. clear cut, no brainer. Anyone could look at that math and say, this is excessive. It doesn't, yeah. <laughs> doesn't feel subjective. It doesn't feel punitive. It just feels excessive. And so yeah. it's easy to say, okay, so if this feels super excessive and we know we want some sort, like, what does the middle ground look like? Yeah. You know, there's, there's this exercise I talk about every now and then called Rawls' Veil of Ignorance. And Rawls' Veil of Ignorance is the idea that if you look at a system, if you didn't get to pick where you were in that system, would you think it was fair? And if the answer is yes, then it's fair. Right. Meaning, um, and I've, I've always sort of aspired to that. Like, if I, if I was a CEO, would I think that this was a good, fair approach? And yes. if I was the janitor, would I think this was a good, right. fair approach? And if I was a doctor, would I think it's a good, fair approach? And if the answer to all those things is yes, I would think it was fair, then you gotta, you're probably doing pretty good. Right. And so I like Rawls' Veil of Ignorance, especially in this regard, because my goal is to come up with something that works for me as the business owner. It would work for me if I was one of the technicians right. on the floor trying right. to get the work done. Or if I was the person who was having some challenges or, or, and, and had to call out, I would also be like, yep, this system seems fair. Sure. And so when we sit down to make these, I really like Rawls' Veil of Ignorance. I don't know if I'm going to be the boss. I don't know if I'm going to be the laborer. I don't know if I'm going to be the person who's calling out sick because I'm having a family emergency or right. uh, on nagging health problems for my kid or whatever. Um, I think that my goal in this would be to say, I don't know which of those people I would be in this situation, but wherever it was, I would think it was fair. That doesn't mean I'd be thrilled with it. It doesn't sure. mean that it would solve all of my problems, right? you know, but I would understand and say, yeah, I think this is fair. And yeah. so when we start talking about these things, I think that's what we talk about is say, well, what is, what's fair to the person who is out? What's fair to the team that is expecting support and not getting it when the person's out? What's fair to me as the as the person making the the schedule and scheduling the the staff, you know? Yes. What, what's what's fair there? I think laying that stuff down ahead of time. I think that that's really key, and that's that's your attendance policy. Yep. And at what point do they start have to, having to have doctor's notes? You know, like where does that happen? What does that do? But we need to lay those things down. The sure. other part is to say, when we talk about mental health stuff, um, I'm not a therapist, and you're not a therapist, and. I am not a mental health professional and that shouldn't be part of my business model and I don't expect to be. Right. However, I do want people to have support when they need it. Yes. And so when I'm done setting my attendance policy, I'm going to look at my mental health support 
options and resources yes. and lay those things in and say, yep. if people are struggling, if they're having mental health issues, this is how we're going to get them support. And that's not me making it up and pulling it out of my ear as we go along. It's like, right, this is, this is what we have and this, we're going to support these people. And, um, and basically what I want ultimately is for those two things to come together and to make a good support structure to say, this is our tenants policy and these are the resources that we have. And the expectations are that you leverage these resources and still abide by this policy that was put in place with the idea that some people would have go, go through hard times. Right. You know? yeah. But you can still check those boxes. And when the team comes to me and says, Andy, why is Stephanie not here all these times? I can say, hey, Stephanie is... She is she is um, following our protocols that we have laid down. She's met the requirements to be able to request this time off and do these things that we're supporting her. But I assure you, she is working by the same policies that that you would have ex- accessible and available to you right. if you uh, if you were in her position. Yeah, bam, and that's yeah. I'm not telling you what it is. I'm not going into resources or what resources she's using, but I can look at you in the face and say she's using the same playbook. That is right. open to you. It's equitable. Should you face these challenges. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I think that that is that's so, so important. And and I think that's the hard part because and I will tell you, I, I, I have done this. I will own this 100 percent where as manager, somebody has figured out another loophole. <laughs> yep. I say that with all the love. And then I'm sure. like, I am going to take my flaming raging sword of justice and I'm going to update the handbook because screw yeah. this, you know, and then it, it never goes well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like everybody sure. can see it for what it is. And sometimes that's a good thing, right? Like sometimes from an HR perspective, I can't share information and I can also let the team know <laughs> without saying much Hey, here's a new policy I need everybody to be aware of, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and yeah. like sometimes that is sometimes that is a tool yeah. that should not be the first tool that you reach for. And it's really easy when we're frustrated or we're angry, which is reasonable given given the circumstances that it's easy to reach for that tool first. And it shouldn't be the one that we reach for first. But yeah. I, I love that idea of like doing it when you're not not punitively, not in the moment, <laughs> But like looking at the looking at the policies, looking at the protocols, looking at the support systems. I I yeah. love that because um, then everybody knows what to expect. Yeah, and, and I find that to be true. So I talked about the mental health card, and people say, "Well, what do you do when this person, you know, um, you know, can't can't perform?" Right. And and they're pointing to this and say, "You know, if we've set up our systems well, then then that ultimately they're going to get support, and at some point, you know." They're going to come to a place where you say, hey, you know, you you've used up all your away time without a doctor's note. And and this is this is where we are. Um, And, you know, and they got the access to resources and stuff like that. But at some point you have to say this, this is this is this is where we're coming down on on this on this issue. And it's I tell you what's what's a nightmare to do is to say. Um, hey, we don't have any policies, but I feel like you've been gone too much. Right. And now I'm going to yes. force this issue. Yeah. You don't want to have that conversation. Right. The point of laying in these protocols is to have built in systemic boundaries where you can say, hey, just so you know, we're coming up on this and we're going to need to figure out what to do about it. You need to be aware that this is this is uh, what our policy says and where you are in the program. Yes. And I love that you said that because for me, that is a huge part of the action plan and acceptance here is the fact that we're doing this now. We're, we're, we're doing this as a look back, right? This person has now missed 30 call outs in a, in a year period, I'm assuming a year period, but whatever yeah. period of time, 30 call outs. And now I'm looking at it. And so now I'm like, it's not, Hey, you're coming up on the end of the policy. Like we get, we get two weeks in a year. Like you, you've used a week and a half. Just FYI, like we're. Yeah. I just wanted you to be aware of it. It's it's the afterwards, and so it sucks because in a way, and again, I say this as the manager who has has done this. So please, if you're listening, don't like don't take offense to this. You've tied your own hands because now you're having to have the conversation way after you should have given laid the groundwork and had that framework conversation or probably multiple framework conversations and said, hey, this is where we're to. So now you have no choice but for it to potentially come across as feeling punitive, right? Because no matter what you do at this point, 
it's it's reactive because you're coming at it from a place of this has already happened and now I need this to change, yeah. um, which is not the place you want to be able to come at it from. You want to be able to come at it, like you said, Andy, from that place of, hey, this is how far into it we are. Just just a heads up, just an FYI, because yeah. you're laying that groundwork because then the conversation becomes easier. Hey, remember how we had that conversation that you had a, a week left? You've, you've used up that week. And so we're at that, like we're at that point I don't, I I just want to check in. I want to know where you are. How are you feeling? Do you think this is going to be an ongoing problem? Do we need to come up with a new plan? Do we need to talk about FMLA? Like what are the, what are all of those options you're doing it ahead of time when you do it the way that you just said? Well, it comes, this philosophy, this approach that, that, that we use at Uncharted, it comes from, uh, it comes from dealing with clients who are strapped for cash. Right. So, so clients who come in who, who don't have money for procedures and, and originally, you know, I spent a lot of time working on this and exam room communications, a passion of mine has been for a long, long time. Right. And it, I wrestled with this for years. I can't look at somebody and know what their financial status is. I don't know if you have money or not. And I don't want to guess. Like, it makes me feel gross. Right. To look at someone and go, well, I don't, do you think she can afford this? I, I don't right. freaking know. And, and I, yeah, I, I don't know. If you say to me, I, you know, oh, that's a lot of money. I don't know if that's because you don't have the money or if you just are someone who is cheap and is like, I that's have a lot money, of money. But that, you know, but I don't want right. to spend it. And, you right. know, and again, I'm never going to know. The place that makes me happy where I found comfort is to say, I've built a system for dealing with clients that doesn't, I don't care what you have. And and I, I'm not going to treat you differently based on how much money I think you have. I'm going to make a system where we bring people in. We do our physical examination. We walk them through the process. We articulate what we're doing. We are open and transparent about our prices. And ultimately, we come down to a place where we're going to present estimates and say, this is what we want to do. And this is how we want to go forward. And we may give people options or whatever we're going to do. But we walk right. through. And again, it's not based on how much money we think you have in your pocket. Everybody gets treated the same as far as how things are laid out and what communications we have. And then ultimately, I don't really care if you have the money or not. I just need you to be open about where you are and I'm going to be open about where I am. And we're going to have resources in place to help you mm-hmm. if you don't have that money. Mm-hmm. We're going to have payment options. We're going to have lending options. We're going to have, you know, whatever right. else, a, a way a way to, to walk you through this. But it, it's what's not going to happen is you're going to come in and make some vague hints about not having the money to take care of your pet. And then I'm going to throw all the rules out the window right. and just do everything yes. that I can, you know, for you, uh, not paying any attention to my staff and right. the, what the practice needs. And, and any, like, I, I'm not throwing all that stuff away. Like, that can't happen. And I see a lot of people do that. And so it really bothered me for years and years until finally we just drilled in and we're like, this is how we do. Right. Uh, this is how we do the exam room. And um, yeah, and that's it. So I've got a, I have a, if you're interested in that, I've got a team training course called uh, Exam Room Communication Toolkit. It's at drandywork.com and where I do staff training. But anyway, but all that stuff is like 17 tools, but they all come from this type of approach of being like, this is how we talk to people. And we work everyone through the same system. And ultimately, if there's a money problem, it comes out and we work through it within healthy boundaries. Right. And so when we start talking about absenteeism, we start talking about about people have mental health mental health challenges in the profession and practices. And again, this is something I've wrestled with. I went through a period of significant burnout a couple of years ago. It really, really sucked. Um, and my practice was greatly supportive of me, and they were wonderful. And I would want to give that to other people. And at the same time, I expect the practice to have healthy boundaries and to take yes. care of itself and to take care of the other employees and take care of the pets. Yes. And that means having having some guidelines in place before we get here that say, I want to be supportive of you. And at the same time, you're, you have some obligations here as well. And I just, whether it's cash strap clients or whether it's employees that are having mental health uh, struggles, I, I think that that's the healthiest most compassionate approach for everybody. I really do. Yeah. And I think we're kind of at that, or I think we're kind of at that point where like we have, we've 
we've gone past the pre-work, right? So we talked about action steps that we can do in the future and things that we can do to set ourselves up better for success next time. And at the same time with this, with this current technician, like I think it's time to sit down and have a conversation. And I would, I would do it from a place of compassion and a place of care, but I would just say, Mm -hmm. Hey, I need to sit down and you know, have a chat with you. Um, And then I would kind of just lay out, Hey, okay, here's, where we're at. like, this is, I, and this is a, a potential to own some of it on your own. And it, I found that it, it softens the blow. So I like to use this as a tool. It doesn't fit right for everybody, but I, yep. I would hundred percent say, Hey, I wasn't on top of this. And I didn't realize yep. that they're like, we're at the 30 mark, 30 yep. call ads for the year. Like that's on me. Mm-hmm. And now I that it. I, now that I recognize it, I need your help because I can't like I can't go into the new year with this happening because it doesn't work for the rest of the team. And I want to support you. And so I see a cut and like again, I want to try and get them, I want to recruit them into the conversation. And so the way I would have probably approach it is to say, I can see a couple of potential solutions here, but I want to talk through all of them with you because you might have some ideas that I haven't thought of. Um that that I want to have on the table. And so, but we've got it. We've got to address this because we can't keep going the way that we're going. I love that so much. I love it. I love it because, um, because you owned it. Right. And the more accountability we can accept, the more the open conversation we're going to have. I just think that, Hey, it's on me that we got to 30. Um, ah, I love that so much. I think that's excellent. And the other thing that I really love in the wording that you use there is, um, it's very future facing. This is where we are and we're going into 2023 let's talk about what what we're going to do differently or let's talk about what we need to do in the coming year because um we need we need to make some adjustments and i said mm-hmm. it's, it's on me that that we got this far this year we cannot we cannot do this again next year just so you know and so i i love that i love i love laying it uh, i love laying it down like that and keeping it positive and keeping it future facing and i think the other thing too is to acknowledge the fact that they they may be in a situation that they can't control right and yeah. so it's okay to say like we may be in a situation where you need to continue to have time off and that's okay. And here's how we can support you. It's okay to say to them, we can support you in the capacity that you're a part-time on call or on call team member. Like that could be a potential solution. You know, it doesn't have to be, we're going to keep you full time and keep scrambling at the last minute. Like you, it is perfectly okay to take that off the table and to just call the spade a spade and say, I can't continue to be in the position where we're having to change the, the schedule last minute and the rest of the team is working shorthanded because it impacts, it's impacting me on a mental health perspective. It's impacting the team shorthanded list that impacts the clients. And I need your help to figure out how I can support you and not continue to be in this situation because I want to do both of those two things. And it's okay to put some of that accountability and responsibility back on them because regardless of what they're going through, mental health or not, there cannot, it is an unrealistic expectation for any employee to have to expect that they can show up when they want, (laughs) right? Like that's, that's not how real life works. And I think that for a lot of us, we get afraid to be the adult and put the boundaries in place. Cause we're like, Ooh, you know, for, for me, it was always like, I don't want to, I don't want them to not like me. Like I don't want to be the yeah. mean one. Right. And the reality is I can't run a business if my team isn't here. And so maybe the answer is the maybe the answer is I hire more staff. Cause if I know I'm going to be shorthanded, like maybe I need to hire more people that falls on me, not on them. Maybe they need to go to part-time. Maybe they need to be the on-call employee. Like this is where for me, it's about the brainstorming because I won't know what's possible until we lay all the cards on the table. And I want, for me, the best case scenario is for them to be active and engaged in that part of the conversation. And also recognizing that they may be in a place where that's not possible. Like if they are really struggling mental health wise, or they are having a challenge, like they may not be in a place to contribute to that. And I want to create a safe space where they can say, I don't, I don't know. I just know that I need flexibility. Okay. Then here's what I can do to support that for you. Like if you need flexibility, here's what I, here's what I can do to support that. Well, I want to, I want to hammer on this right, right here as well and say, remember that this doesn't have to be one meeting. Right. I I really like your idea of going in because I, to me, 
I always feel this pressure to go in and say, well, what can you do? Okay, then here's what we're going to do. It's like, yes. I'm sorry, I'm mm-hmm. not that smart. Nope. I'm not that Info fast. Gather. I need I need to gather the information. Then I need to go yep. away and I need to think about it. Yep. I need to think about what they say they can do or what their needs are. And then I need to think about what my needs are and what that looks like. And then I can come back and say, hey, this is what this is what we need to do next year. But it yep. doesn't have to be at one time. So don't be afraid to step away. The other thing is ultimately you can do information gathering and and you are going to need to clearly communicate what you need to this yes. person because yes. otherwise it's not fair to, to, to not tell them what, what the realities are. And yes. so you don't have to do this today, but you need to say, hey, we're at 30 days. That's on me. Uh, we got to do things differently. Let's talk about let's talk about what you're looking at. Let's talk about what would be realistic expectations for next year. Let's talk about, you know, how, how we're going to move forward. And I need you to hear where your head's at and what you think you could do to help me to meet these needs. And if this person needs to go part time, they need to go part time. Yep. And I don't they might not like that. And I might not like that. But right continuing to do the same thing again and again and expecting a different outcome is the definition of insanity. Yes. And, you know, if you just keep going and go, I don't know, she just keeps not showing up. I don't know what to do about it. Like, well, at some point, it's not a surprise anymore. It's your business model. Yep. And so anyway, I, I think that at some point we have to say, look, this is what I need. And you have to say what you mean. You have to mean what you say. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know, uh, at the very beginning, I said, let's see where this is going. Um, We can do all the things that we said. And ultimately, this person, we can't make this person show up for work. Nope. Like that's it. We can can put all the systems in place and everything like that. And we can't make the person show up for work. And um, there are ramifications of this person not showing up for work. It is yes. going to cause you problems to have someone who no-shows again and again and again. Yeah. It's going to have you cause you real problems to have someone who no-shows again and again. And there don't seem to be any repercussions yes. for that person. That's yes. going to have fallout. And you need to be honest about it. And you need to use what you've already seen, I'm sure, to to forecast what that looks like. And then, my friends, you're going to pick your poison at some point. Yes. Right. Yep. And you got three options. You can end this now. You can keep it going as it is and accept the fallout from this behavior continuing. Right. Which I would not recommend. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, or you can try to modify expectations and uh, come to an agreement, knowing that if that agreement does not work, you're going to move to termination. And I yeah. think, honestly, that's probably where I would be is I would get real honest with this person. I would figure out what I really need. I would think about what a fair attendance policy looks like that accounts for people who have unexpected illnesses or sicknesses or mental health challenges, but it's still fair to them and Mm -hmm. to the rest of the team Mm -hmm. and to me as the practice owner. And I would put those things in place and say, look, this is where we are and this is where we're going. And this is what it's going to look like when we get close to running out of these days. And this is what it's going to look like when we hit those days. And this is what it's going to look like when we go past those days. Yeah. And if you are, I, I love that so much. And I think I will say that for me in, like I said, I was, I was this manager at a point in my career and I wasn't sure kind of where to start. And so um, if you're like, I, what would that even look like? My suggestion would be, even if you're a small business who doesn't, um, to whom FMLA is not applicable, I would look at uh, the Family Medical Leave Act. I would look at the standards there and say, okay, if I was a business of this size, this is what would legally be required of me. That's what FMLA mm-hmm. says, is that these are the things I have when I have over a certain number of employees. These are the things that I have to provide for them in terms of leave. Um, and And for a lot of businesses, they choose to have all of the kind of uh, leaves uh, fall under that similar umbrella, right? There are other specific leaves of absence. We have to uh, be able to provide our employees um, military service, domestic violence protection, et cetera. But, but most people look at it under that FMLA umbrella and say, okay, if someone was going to take a leave of absence for a physical health thing, I'm going to apply mental health the same way. Um, and I, I kind of looked at those guidelines and said, okay, this is what would be required of me could I make this work? Could I not? What pieces of it don't work for me as a small business? If this is really a small practice and their techs, like their ability to lean into other support members is significantly different in a practice that has four technicians versus a practice that has a hundred plus employees and you have a bigger pool to draw from, right? And so that's why FMLA is not applicable to everybody, but I would use that as a starting point. Um, and for me, it was like, okay, 
I can't give 12 weeks, but I could find a medium, a happy medium between what we currently have and 12 weeks to say, this is what we could do. Maybe it's some combination of intermittent, you know, like looking at those kind of things and figuring, using it as a baseline to figure out where do I go from here? That would be my, that would be my best suggestion. Yeah, I, I completely agree. All right. That's, yeah, I think that's it. That I think that's, that's, that's kind of what I got. I hope that that's helpful as far as just thinking about it. I hope we, <laughs> I hope we didn't feel like we we're beating up on these, on, on, on our riders. It's like, it's I one of those so. things where when you play the game really, really well, and then you're still like, and I, and the person still <laughs> doesn't respond. I go, you've done everything right. The problem yes. is, I'm sorry, I don't have a magical next There's thing for you to do. I think, I think you know exactly what you're looking at. Yeah. exactly who this is and exactly how they're behaving and what the pattern is none of this is a surprise i think you're at the place where um there's nothing left to do but make the call and the call is either i'm not doing this anymore or uh the call is i'm going to put up with this or the call is i'm going to go to them and say this is the change that i'm going to require to yeah. go forward and if this change doesn't happen then then we cannot continue on together i think those are your three options i think i would go for number three yeah me too have a good week, everybody. Yeah, everybody. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you later on. Well, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. This was so fun. Andy and I always enjoy spending part of our week with you all. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you have an issue going on in your practice or a question that you would love to hear us answer, or if there is something that you would like to hear us role play, talk through the details of what to say and how to say it on the podcast, please send us a message. You can find the mailbag at unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag. Send us the message, whether you want to be anonymous or have a secret code name or not, send us your message and we uh, would love to feature it on an upcoming podcast episode. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. <laughs>